Hello there. And welcome to a brand new episode of my podcast, Podcast Racing. It's been a while since I've released uh, my previous podcast episode, and the previous one, I was just by myself, so I'm really looking forward to doing this again with some really great friends of mine, unfortunately over Zoom, thanks to Omnicron, but still, some really good friends of mine, Ben, William, and Tabitha. How are you guys doing? Good. Hi. Doing real good. Good to hear. Good to hear. So yeah, because uh, we're going to be doing this over Zoom, there will be some audio issues, technical glitches, all that stuff. So apologies about that ahead of time. And uh, also, uh, as you can see in the title of today's podcast episode, which is how Spider-Man No Way Home can affect the film industry, we will be discussing Spider-Man No Way Home in full spoiler detail. If you have not seen Spider-Man No Way Home yet, please do not watch this episode. Watch the movie first and then watch this episode. I mean, unless you don't care. If you don't care about Spider-Man, go ahead and listen to this episode. Be my guest. You know, whatever. But let's just get into the uh, episode. And I'm going to start off with a question for you guys. What does Spider-Man No Way Home, Free Guy... Space Jam, A New Legacy, The Matrix Resurrections, and The Book of Boba Fett have in common. Nostalgia. Culture. Yeah, big nostalgia. Exactly. They're filled with nostalgia, references, fan service, all that quote-unquote good or bad stuff, depending on who you are. Now... I like, you know, I like every once in a while having like a little cute reference here and there, but all of these movies are full of like references to like other pop culture and like their own universes and all that stuff. And lately, I feel like we've been getting a lot more properties like that, that are, that seem to be more focused on just referencing previous events in the same franchise or other like big franchises and all that. And as much as I like Spider-Man No Way Home, I'm not a big fan of how it could potentially affect the film industry going forward. Cause I, I, I have a big worry that going forward, we're just going to keep getting more of this nostalgia baby fan servicey kind of stuff. And there's going to be a big sacrifice in terms of bringing forward something actually new and interesting and character driven like i my most anticipated mcu movie of last year was eternals because it looked like it was going to be something weird and different and then it turned out to be weird and different but in a bad way me and uh, you know that film did decent enough that film did well enough at the box office but critically people did not like it Spider-Man No Way Home is almost close to making $2 billion in the box office. People are liking this movie. And that does worry me. As someone who does like the movie, that does worry me that people are liking this much. Because as much as I enjoy the film, it does have some major flaws. Do any of you guys want to uh, pitch in? No, I'm... I like I said, I'm more on the uh, like I thought the film was fun, but I'm more of on the dissenting opinion of it. It like it seemed like it had a good idea go going for it. It just there were a couple of points in there that just seemed like it was moving the plot forward on half baked ideas because most of the, most of it seemed like it was like trying to move like 
they're like, we got to get all these old Spider-Man villains in here. And we got to find an excuse for why they're staying here. So we got to give like Peter major anxiety of what's going to happen to them. And I get that it's because he's a good guy or something like that. But I, I don't know. It's a lot of it just seemed like really stringed together very, very poorly in my opinion. And again, like you were saying, I think the only thing that was really pushing everything forward was that whole nostalgic was the whole nostalgic value of everything of everybody being in there. And for me, that kind of that sort of novelty wore off very fast. But that's just me. Uh, well, I, I agree with parts of that anyway. I think one thing that the movie did do well is kind of what you're accusing it of, which I'm not saying that you're accusing it of doing it poorly. Uh, you're you're more. Colton, you're more worried about the impact cinema-wide. But I think the one thing that the movie did do well was deliver on what the fans were expecting. It's almost like the internet wrote the movie, which we've all seen how that actually worked for the Star Wars sequel trilogy, and that went poorly. But, uh, but when it comes to this movie, I think the internet meme culture kind of wrote the... Uh, some major parts of this movie and I think it actually delivered on those pretty well I do agree that the plot was a little convoluted a little forced actually no a lot forced everything leading up to and I mean here's the big spoiler but everybody's already seen it everything leading up to there being three spider-mans on screen it, it fell a little flat for me I found everything from when the three of them are together onward to be yes fan servicey admittedly but also i think they it was a lot easier to see that they were hitting the marks that they were wanting to hit it seemed to flow a little better once they had all of them together as opposed to the beginning of it is just i mean this stretches the limits of what pseudoscience is and uh, like we're just going to explain things away because because of the multiverse and dr strange's weird magic that makes up its own rules as it goes and so anyway well that's comic book shenanigans to be honest and that i can kind of look past and it's funny that you say the internet kind of wrote it because it kind of gave me the vibe and this is why i say the movie was fun is because it gave me that vibe of like a kid playing with action figures and that was like all right i i, I see how this is like this is fun so Sort of like this is kind of like a plot that I would have made with my action figures as a kid or something like that. I mean, you can tell that like the people that made No Way Home, the people that made um, Spider-Man No Way Home are the exact same people that made the previous Tom Holland Spider-Man movies. Same director, same writers. You can tell that they're obviously big fans of the character and the previous renditions as well. But I feel like they just got too carried away with just, you know, oh, we'll bring back this line and we'll bring back this character, even if it doesn't make sense. Like, it doesn't make sense for Doc Ock to say the power of the sun line. It doesn't make sense for Willem Dafoe to say the scientist line. It doesn't make sense for Aunt May to say the great <laughs> responsibility line. But we'll bring it anyway because... Uh, we love these lines, and then we'll get the audience to be like, ooh! And it just, I don't know, yeah, just, there were just a lot of, you just really, really have to turn your brain off with this movie. Tabitha, do you have anything to contribute to this conversation about, like, Yeah, I, I was gonna say, 
I think that this is all a greater symptom of the money hoarding of like Disney slash Hollywood. They know what's going to bring in the big bucks. And they were right, especially in this film. You can see that in the box office. We all really wanted to see all three Spider-Men together. We were super excited to see. And honestly, that's why I went. I was incredibly excited to see the direction that this film was going to take. I will admit, I was swept up in the moment of everything that happened during the film. And William and I had a pretty big discussion about what was contrived and what was not contrived and what was appropriate and what was inappropriate right after we watched the film. And I was a lot more forgiving in some areas right after I had watched it. I think primarily because I was excited to see the things I wanted to see. Unlike the Star Wars sequel trilogy, I was excited by the fan service the things that they did felt more comfortable for me and less injected into a storyline to make a profit. Although I'm aware that that is still the reason those things were put there. (laughs) I think they just did a better job this time than they have in other scenarios. Yeah. I feel like the, the whole Aunt May death scene really was a bummer for me Mm -hmm. the whole thing seemed just just so contrived and that's kind of the point they shoehorned it in they shoehorned this emotional scene in to try to make a conversation that's going to happen later right Uh, on the rooftop with the three spider-men like in order to make that conversation work what was that ben Oh, the, sorry, I was kind of interrupting. Um, I was just like, so he can relate to the rest of them and have that conversation like you were saying. Yeah, yeah. And you, sure, you could explain it away with all this multiverse nonsense of they all follow loosely the same kind of path because they're all meant to be like shadows of each other and, and whatever. You can explain it away. It felt very forced to me. Uh, it, it lacked the emotional punch, I thought, because I was like, oh, are they really doing this right now? But that said, I become very forgiving shortly thereafter, whenever all three Spider-Men are there, because it's, it's what I came to see. And as much as I am a big fan of the Tobey Maguire and, and the Tom Holland Spider-Man renditions, and the Andrew Garfield ones were... In my opinion, they were they were fine, just fine. Andrew Garfield is what makes the whole movie for me. I mean, and yeah. maybe that's what maybe that's the opinion that a lot of people have. But I I think that the enthusiasm that he brought to the role in that moment, I feel like he felt the most Spider Man out of all three of them in this. Yeah, movie. he he really carried it. And I was gonna say the only moment that I really felt like. I, I kind of teared a little was when he saw when he actually saved MJ. Yeah, for him. That was a completed arc for him. And I think yeah. and I think Toby McGuire also kind of needed a moment like a, an arc completion. Uh, I mean, but, that was meant to be whenever he 
stopped Tom Holland from killing Green Goblin. Yeah. Which didn't really make sense to me because Tobey Maguire never killed Green Goblin, but they that movie kind of painted the picture of I killed my enemies because I wasn't I wasn't self-controlled enough. You shouldn't do the same thing. But we all know yeah. that it was his own glider that killed him in in the Tobey Maguire movie. So it did, that little bit rang hollow to me, but that was meant to be his completed arc. I think that his completed arc was how wizardy was. Like it's like watching the I don't know if you guys watched the Blue's Clues recap thing where it had all three of the companions of Blue from Blue's Clues in it. But mm-hmm. he felt like Steve to me, where he is the oldest, most understanding, like he had been there the longest. He got it more than the other two Spider-Men because they were still young. But Tobey Maguire, he'd been there. He'd done that. He'd seen that. And so his role in this film was more about... I have wisdom to provide you. I can be your older brother in this. And uh, I think that the reason that this was more well done than some other like nostalgia bait movies that we've had of recent was because we had moments like that with Andrew Garfield where um, he completed his arc and we had different versions of the same characters that we know and love, but they had grown, they had changed and throughout the film, they served a purpose, which we don't necessarily see all the time with some of the nostalgia core that we see in films today. I mean, yeah, I, I get, yeah, I get where you guys are coming from, and I definitely agree with you guys, uh, William, when you say that uh, a lot of the moments are contrived. I really loved the conversation that uh, that uh, Toby. Andrew and Tom head on the roof together, but the way that they got there was Mm -hmm. not that great for me. Yeah, it didn't really feel earned. It didn't feel earned, exactly, exactly. It didn't Mm -hmm. feel fully earned. Uh, What's it called? Aunt May May dying is a great concept, but it was just executed so poorly. Like, when Willem Mm -hmm. Dafoe crashed his glider into her, she should have been dead instantly. But no, she now has time to, like, awkwardly get up and then awkwardly fall down and then say that with yeah, great power was, comes great responsibility line i was surprised i was like you are a, you are like an indomitable lady <laughs> like <laughs> that, that thing flinged her across the room like a rag doll exactly oh, and you know you know how it always is in in hollywood where they're on death's doorstep they definitely have internal internal hemorrhaging Maybe they've gone septic. Who knows what's going on inside of them? But they're able to have full and complete conversations, except when no. they have to trail off at that particular moment for dramatic effect. It's I'm gonna, it's I'm played gonna out. Say it's like, that was the most unbelievable part of the entire film. I was like, I can't. <laughs> I'm not buying that at all. Yeah, me too. Me too. It, it was it was hard for me to buy as well. I but... think actually. I think actually my least favorite part of the film though was I really didn't like the arc that Tom Holland puts everything together. He almost saves the day. He almost makes it so that everybody gets saved and goes back to their own universes. And then everything just falls apart because Willem Dafoe, you know, whatever. I really don't like that. They, they had this whole somewhat boring somewhat interesting 
plot point of like almost solving it and then everything comes crashing down falls apart and that's where his whole like i couldn't do it i couldn't save everyone kind of comes from like I get that it adds the emotional drive for Tom Holland's character, but that was actually my least favorite was them almost saving the day and then everything comes crashing down and then they have to fix it again. I mean, I, the only reason I kind of agree with you, the only reason I kind of like, like dug it was because seeing Willem Dafoe was like the best thing of that film. Oh yes, definitely. Anytime he was on screen, I was like, Oh yeah. Yeah, he's here. He's my favorite. When when uh, Tom Holland's and Willem Dafoe are fighting, and he Tom Holland is repeatedly punching Willem Dafoe's face, and he's just laughing and just enjoying it. <laughs> I was just oh like, I had chills. I was like, Yeah. Oh my gosh! Like all geez. the actors did an incredible job. Mm-hmm. They really did everything they could have to make this film a great movie. And going back to the Aunt May scene, I would say that while I agree that it was pretty contrived and it was almost upsetting how it fell into the same archetypes and tropes that a lot of other films do, I kind of like that we got that. And that's just feeding my own personal, like, nostalgia You want the symmetry? I I did want the symmetry. We hadn't heard the Uncle Ben story from Tom Holland's perspective as, you know, distinctly as we had seen it in other stories. So to have that moment felt pretty satisfying to me, even though it wasn't played out in a way that felt as satisfying as other films. But I, I can't think of a performance that I was displeased with when it comes to the actor's portrayal of the characters that they were revisiting or performing for the most part I just thought that everybody did a great job I think that if anybody did a poor job it was you know the writers and Disney <laughs> so I, no, I, I agree hardly a problem yeah no and I agree the- uh, but even like but like another movie that's technically from Disney free guy like, Free Guy, like, I think I saw the movie with, not you, Ben, but with uh, you, William, and Tabitha in theaters, and I don't know if you remember, but everybody was just cheering and screaming when, spoilers, Ryan Reynolds is fighting his buffer self, and then he pulls out the Captain America shield, the Hulk fist, mm-hmm. and the lightsaber. The, our audience is like, going wild. And I was just sitting there. I mean, I thought it was cool when the Captain America shield popped up and then Chris Chris Evans was like, what the shit? Like, uh, I thought that that was funny, but then the Hulk fist and the lightsaber made it feel like, okay, this is just too much now. And that, and that whole movie also, you know, just has like dumb fan service and all this other stuff and references to real life gaming. And, and me personally, I'm not familiar with the gaming community. So to someone who is more familiar to the gaming community, I'm sure that, you know, it was more of an enjoyable experience for them because they could get all these references. But for me, I just felt lost in the shuffle. And the core story wasn't good enough for me to fully appreciate the overall experience. Like, I just thought it was an okay film with some very funny and some enjoyable moments. To be fair, I think that, like, it's a comedy. So comedies are almost always over the top. 
and we expected some kind of you know falling into because disney hardly makes anything original these days so having some sort of bait to draw people in makes sense so any one of those would have been totally normal for for a disney film but because disney was making a comedy which isn't that common for them they implement comedy but to make a comedy is not common i think that they had to overdo the tropes that they know they're aware of which shows at least a small amount of self-awareness on their part it doesn't excuse the upsetting amount of manipulation of their target audience in terms of like lack of creativity and I don't know just diverging from what they know will make them money but I think that it's to be expected that they would overdo something in order to pull in some sort of comedic effect yeah I mean I mean they're just they're flexing at this point of look at all of the names we can drop because we own everything and we're just going to see more and more of that the more monopolistic, I don't think that's a word, uh, the more of a monopoly that they, that they uh, accumulate, the more that we're going to see awesome things and really not awesome things come out of it. And they're going to be leading the charge on these fan service things that you're talking about because, I mean, Disney is a whole brand based on eliciting certain emotions of nostalgia from a target audience like that's if you have to boil them all down to one thing they know how to pull an emotion from an audience it's what they've been doing since their inception like how far do you go until like the novelty is kind of worn off like it's our it's already been past that for me like after um Avengers Endgame I was kind of done with the whole thing like so far I think I've only gone to theaters to see the new for like as far as Marvel films go to see the Spider-Man movies and that's Mm -hmm. really it and after this one it's kind of over for me I'm like I think it had a great run and for me it came to a resolution and it's over for me (laughs) I feel um, the same way when I saw them trying to sort of reignite the passion that people had for Marvel. I was pretty frustrated because when I look at the movie Logan, which spoilers for Logan coming up, the way that we let go of that hero that we were very attached to felt honorable. When I saw uh, the ending of Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, I felt fulfillment. I was excited to let go of this character sad but excited because i was like man they are giving him a way out that feels right to and it me felt earned. it felt earned exactly so when we see marvel taking something that could have been a beautiful ending to this cinematic like masterpiece that they've accomplished over many years and then they chose to just drag it on we're just gonna see a decline in the not only quality but the earned respect for these characters because i'm starting to just not care anymore there's too many of them like eternals for example 
I saw a lot of people were excited for that. I was not. Right. I was just like, man, I'm done. Honestly, there are a couple characters I'm still attached to, but for the most part, I'm just done. And and that's the thing. It, I feel like Disney is taking everything that they touch, Star Wars, Marvel, you know, you name it. They're taking everything that they touch and they're saying, for you to still be excited about this, you're going to have to stop caring about it. Mm-hmm. And that's how I felt. It was like six, seven years ago that I said this. When, whenever they announced for Star Wars, for instance, they said, we're going to keep making a movie per year for every year that people are still going to watch it. And I thought, wow, that's going to dilute the, the franchise because, you know, if you have an, an A-plus movie or you have a trilogy of A-plus movies and then they say, we're going to make more movies if every single movie that comes out isn't a plus it drags the average down. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I feel about the Harry Potters too. When they started making all the, these newer ones. It had potential, but it fell flat. Yeah, absolutely. When you have like all the Harry Potter movies are such cream of the crop. Like we, we love them. They were so well executed. And then when you start making more movies, you're dragging the whole franchise down. It's like read the room, you know, like when a conversation yeah. is done, you should know when to end it. And the it, same is true for films. Like leave it on a good note. Make sure that you know that it's a masterpiece and leave it at that. Because if something is so good, why are you continuing to drag it on until it's no longer good anymore? Right. What happened with Lord of the Rings? The, the, the you know, the original trilogy. Great. Applauded. Wonderful. The Hobbits came out. Were they fun? They were fun. They were they were fun though. They were fun, but they dragged the overall average of the franchise down. And yeah. if they're going to keep mean, doing things like that, they're saying to you the only way you can enjoy these is if you stop caring about the integrity of them. Mm-hmm. If they had retired Tom Holland at the end of this, it would have been like, wow, so sad to see him go. But what a fitting ending, a conclusion arc for all three Spider-Men. Great. But then they say, no, we're going to sign on for more movies. And Sony wants to continue the deal with Disney. And it's like, oh, so this isn't the end. You're just going to keep milking it for all it's worth. And we have to stop caring. I thought it essentially was going to be the end because I was yeah. hearing that like Sony was going to make it start making their own their own Spider-Man movies with Andrew Garfield, and I was thinking it's like, oh, is the contract with um, Disney running up? Is that why they're kind of like doing this whole like uh, we all forget one more day, we all forget about Spider-Man sort of thing, so we can take them out of the picture for a while until they decide they want to redo their contract. That's what I thought that, was going That on. was originally the plan. Correct me if I'm wrong, Colton. You probably know more than I do about this. But originally, it did run out at the end of that movie. But because that movie did so well, and Sony's making free money, basically, by letting them use something that they own, they decided to extend it. For is it another three movies? Well, it's mainly because of Tom Holland's. Tom Holland, Sony originally... Sony never wanted to partner with Disney in the first place. They only they only let Spider-Man be in Captain America Civil War out of desperation because Amazing Spider-Man 2 was hated so with Andrew Garfield was hated so much that Sony was panicking and then Disney stepped in, Kevin Feige stepped in 
And then they were like, fine, fine. You can have Spider-Man be in Civil War. And then uh, after Far From Home, they were, you know, the contract was up. And then Sony was considering just taking out Tom Holland, like, entirely and then doing their own thing with him. But then Tom Holland was like, no, I still want to work with Feige. I still want to work with Disney. So it was because of Tom Holland that the contract renewed for, you know, millions of more dollars and three other movie, a whole other trilogy now. And uh, actually, I actually really like how they ended No Way Home with Tom Holland essentially being Peter Parker being completely forgotten about and him being on his own and him having to wear that uh, purposely crappy Spider-Man suit. I really liked that. However, I am not going to watch any more Spider-Man movies with him in it. Now, the Spider-Verse animated sequel, yes, I will definitely watch that. But the other Tom Holland Spider-Man trilogy that they're going to make, just like Ben, it's just it's just old for me now. Are you honestly not going to watch it? No. You wanna, you wanna I'm actually impressed. What, you, what you're essentially saying is you want to retain the integrity of the movies in your mind. You want to retain the integrity of his his arc and not give in to the fact that they're going to milk it more. But I, I'm, in, I'm impressed with that dedication. No, yeah. And, and also, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to watch any more Tom Holland Spider-Man movies, and I don't watch trailers anymore. Mm. You, you what are you going to say, Ben? I was going to say, you want to talk about that ending real quick? Because you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of, and I don't know if you know this, this arc in the Spider-Man comics, but it was the One More Day arc where it's um i think aunt may dies so he pleads to mephisto to um bring her back to life but in order to do that he has to like reset a whole bunch of things and it essentially wipes everything that happened back in the 90s away and it was like the most hated storyline in in spider-man it was like one of the most hated storylines in spider-man and that's kind of what the whole wiping uh the whole ending um where everybody forgets about him and stuff like that because no one likes when you lose progress like exactly no one likes when you know in in like say you have like a, a a series and it's like episodic and you have character development for this happens a lot of times when you have character development for villains in move in in shows and stuff like that but they want to retain that villain as a villain because it's an ongoing and show. And it even happened with Doc Ock's this movie. Yeah. And then and then you get this character development and the, everyone's like, oh my gosh, what does this mean for everything? Only to see in the next episode, everything is back to the way it was. And you're like, well, what was the point of taking us through that emotional arc when you were going to oh, remove yeah. the character? It's like, it's like an... Um... I don't know if you ever played Halo 4 and 5, but, like, they killed Cortana in Halo 4 to immediately bring her back in Halo 5, and she's the bad guy. And I'm like, then that whole, all that emotion in Halo 4 meant absolutely nothing for me. Yeah. And also, it reminds me of, so my favorite genre of TV show is actually, like, children's animated shows that can be digested by adults in a way that's meaningful things like gravity falls avatar the last airbender that kind of thing i think the thing that separates children's shows that are meant for children and adults and children's shows that are just meant for children is growth and good children's shows 
show growth in all characters. You see that in Avatar The Last Airbender, where we see Zuko as no longer the villain in later seasons. We And you see change in every single character in the show. In the same way, I think that in movies, you hope that the characters change over time. And in this film, we digressed. I would I disagree actually. I, I disagree. I think that supposedly what you guys mean by like taking away Tom Holland, Peter Parker's character growth is actually adding to his character. Like this is a character this is a Peter Parker who's been reliant on other people this whole time. Like Iron Man's technology, Mysterio's advice, Happy Hogan's advice. But now he has none of that. He has none of that at all. He is completely on his own and he has to mature and on his own and be his own Spider-Man. And I think that that is good. That's like the one piece of genuinely good writing in this movie for me is how it, yeah. it would be good if it was the end. Right. It's not that uh, he's losing his personal character development. In fact, he's the only one that gets to keep their character development because everybody's minds were wiped. Yeah, uh, I think it's I think it's more like Ben was talking about that arc in the comics. In that instance, it's not that character growth has lost; it's that like story progress is reversed. If you have villains who were no. defeated and now they're undefeated, and if you if you have we lost Aunt May, never mind, Aunt May is back to life for you know it, it just like losing things that should have been permanent feels bad it's, it, even if it's like a bad development I've always been kind of like don't go back and don't try to mm-hmm. move forward with those mistakes it's like when they brought Darth Maul back to life in the yeah. Star Wars series I'm like alright you killed one of the mo- what could have been one of the most interesting characters in like the first movie of the trilogy but move i and that was a mistake but kind of move forward with it you don't need to bring that character back come up with a new idea to move forward with it's doing us almost like a soft reboot mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. but um i i do agree with the fact that it's like i i on the flip side i like the idea that he's on his own and stuff like that I just wish we got there some other way um, because I didn't like the way we got there. Yeah, and I also, think that's what you're saying. When he gets to tell the other Spider-Man, hey, I was a part of the Avengers, doesn't that sound exciting? And then they're like, what are the Avengers? You know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Because they've always been small town Peter Parker. Like, I'm just your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Peter Parker in the Avengers rose far above that. He was bigger than that and now he is that friendly neighborhood spider-man he is small town he gets to do some good around the area but he doesn't have the same connections that he used to and it would have felt really satisfying if he started out as a friendly neighborhood spider-man and i think originally that's what he felt like and then grew to uh be something greater than that but instead Um. we saw that growth and then a decline back to friendly neighborhood spider-man he's making essentially less of an impact overall because he's saving individuals you know working as a vigilante in the city 
that kind of thing, instead of I'm saving the world from, you know, big bad. And that it feels like regression, even if it's not because he is making a smaller impact overall. I, I, I guess I get where you're coming from. Yeah, this movie, it does have some pretty big flaws, but I'm honestly more worried about not necessarily the flaws of the movie itself, but with how it could negatively impact the, uh, like the film industry. Like, it's not just Disney. It's Warner Brothers, too. Like, last year, Warner Brothers released Space Jam 2, A New Legacy, and The Matrix uh, Resurrections, which was The Matrix 4, mm-hmm. which are movies that were full of just references to other either Warner Brothers properties or previous events in the Matrix uh, trilogy. Like, like Space Jam 2 was all just about, oh yeah, we're Warner Brothers, and we have Looney Tunes, we have Mad Max, we have Matrix, we have It's the Scary Clown, we have, you know, Blade Runner, and all this cool stuff. Like, oh, aren't we so cool? Aren't we better than Disney? That just, that's what Space Jam 2 felt like. And I didn't even see the movie. And Matrix 4, and, and Matrix 4, I didn't see that either, because why would I? But all of my friends who did see it told me that that movie was all it was, was just referencing the previous movies with no substance or story of its own. That was really good. Which is why I actually feel like film is going to decline. A lot of the big names in cinema, a lot of the the things that are doing the best in cinema are all nostalgia bait. When the generation that dies out that has an understanding for what's being referenced to, we are no longer going to have any interest as a society in going to see these films. So I think that like we're going to move into a different area of creativity and probably that's going to be something like virtual reality. Video games are kind of taking that place. But as of right now, I think you're right, Colton. It feels wrong. Like we are taking things that could be good. We're dragging them out from the grave. It's like we'd already buried these things. Like how about you just let us say goodbye? But instead we're bringing them back up because they're worth money. And that saddens me because I love movies. It's unfortunate. but This is... This might be a more optimistic how it will be in the long run. And I feel like because like at some point or another, like like how when we've run dry about when when what happens isn't working anymore, Hollywood starts trying out it go hit that it like they take off with it and then beat it into the ground. And I think it's kind of what's the kind of the cycle that just happened. You know, it's going to be the same thing with this. They're beating it into the ground right now. And once they figure out, figure out that, like, like I said, that novelty cut sort of like wears off with everybody, they're going to see this like our superhero movies aren't making money anymore. So now we're going to have to try something different. But it's not even um, that superhero so, movies aren't making well, yeah, money. Yeah, it's not even superhero movies. I know they like, they take Go- Ghostbusters recently. They do a lot of other stuff. I'm... Yeah, and unfortunately, I think that Spider-Man No Way Home is just going to result in more of that. Just more of just mindless, like, filmmaking, where you're just solely relying on, like, the nostalgia or, like, the, the name of it. And that really saddens me, because, like, I, I love movies. I love cinema. I love these franchises. 
I just don't want to see them all the time. Like when Martin Scorsese, uh, acclaimed Oscar-winning director Martin Scorsese, was very critical about Marvel movies, uh, and you know, like, and he got a lot of flack for that. But I think that there is some validity to what he said about how Marvel is dominating the theater spaces, and you know, like how like the smaller movies are being the smaller, more original, independent movies are being flushed out because everybody because the everybody is all is you know like us uh, only seeing like the big like marvel or whatever movies and it's not just because of interest it's because that that's all that they can see like you know like smaller movies that really impressed me last year like uh what's it called like come on come on with joaquin phoenix where he plays a documentary filmmaker who has to take care of his nephew because his brother-in-law has to go into rehab that's a real. That was a really great film that no one saw. You guys probably never even heard of it because it wasn't even available in a theater near us. I had to drive like over. I had to drive over an hour just to see. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, no, I really get that. There are a lot of like little films that like immediate, like admittingly, like I never hear about just because I'm more interested in like again the name brand the big name movies it's a it's kind of like it's a it's a it's one of the reasons why kind of like watching movies is kind of was something that i fell out of for a while and like all keeping up with the hollywood scene and stuff like that it's just like it all felt frustrating how money driven it was for mm. me. but really i i do understand it's like there are artists out there who really want to express themselves and that's something I really respect as an artist myself as artists expressing themselves in some sort of fashion. And I may even hate it, but they, but they're genuine. They're being genuine about the things they do and they deserve more attention than they're getting. Yeah. Um, although I think that what we're describing is, is it's kind of cyclical there's always going to be some trend of lack of creativity. Westerns for a long time. Well, but like lack of creativity, like there will be film adaptations of books and then everybody's into that for a while. And then there's going to be reboots like we're experiencing right now where people bring back things that are long dead. Then there's going to be remakes. And that's, I think, the one that everybody likes the least when perfectly good things are remade from before right and then and then it just cycles mm-hmm. back around there's always going to be a market for the people who want to use as little creativity as possible to make what they know is going to reliably make them money instead of having to take a risk by doing something creative it's so, it's yeah, gonna I've, happen. I've always been one to the to say that uh, again that's kind of why I got like way into like for a while I was into like the whole Hollywood scene and like movie productions and stuff. And I just took myself out of it because it was frustrating hearing about how many driven it is and that like nobody wants to, and why people aren't like why projects will get canceled or why, um, why certain things won't happen and stuff like that. It, It was like, it numbed my mind so much and I was like, I can't deal with this anymore. <laughs> but it was like, even like, I, I will say like Martin Scorsese, 
um, and his comment on Marvel films. I didn't, I, I wasn't seeing it back then. I am now because like I said, maybe the novelty kind of wore off for me, but even back, like even back then I was kind of, I kind of had the attitude of like, I get what you're saying. I can see like um, there being a trend of more of this stuff because people are going to try and copy it and see if they can be successful with it. Again, though, like at some point that, and I know beating the saying into the ground, the novelty is going to wear off at some point. It's just going to fall flat for everybody and and everybody's kind of like going to be on that train of like, yeah, we're, we're kind of done in my I, opinion. That's a, that's just my opinion with it. I think that the, I think that the atmosphere is generally negative and I don't mean it to be like, I'm not completely against Disney. Like, the uh, recent Disney movie, Encanto, was an original movie and was great, in my opinion. And Dune, which is not only a remake of an original movie, but is an adaptation of a beloved book, was great. And it actually made money at the box office. Oh. Like, not like Spider-Man money, oh. but it made enough money where Warner Bros. was like, okay, people like this. We'll greenlight we'll green the sequel. And... Uh, what's it called? That comes from a filmmaker. Dune comes from a filmmaker who's primarily from the indie uh, crowd. Denis Villeneuve. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but you know who know you know who made movies like Arrival, Sicario, uh, Prisoners, and Sandy. And uh, so I I don't think that like franchise filmmaking or and like all like reboots or like and are like bad. And I don't think Disney is completely evil. They are obviously evil, but not completely evil. So there is some hope, but it is dwindling quicker than I want it to. Oh, trust me, I'm I'm not rooting against them. I hold stock in Disney, so if anything, I want them to succeed. <laughs> Just like the, I think Disney. If anything, you're going to see it more from Disney, like you said, Will. Because I think even I think you brought up this point. The Disney is all all about it's built around revival revival of childhood. That's like their whole shtick. That's why people yeah. go to Disneyland. Yeah. So um, that's that I like. If anything, like I said, that's why they bought Star Wars. But it hurts Disney worse Land. that they did a bad job because we want to love yeah. them. You know, We've seen how good they can be. And then we're thoroughly disappointed when they do a bad job. Just think about that. Like Beauty and the Beast. Like, come on, everyone loves that film. And then they made it and it was bad. And then, like, why did you do that? We love that. And you ruined it for me. I want to love you because of the nostalgia, but you're doing a terrible job most of the time. And I think that Spider Man, No Way Home, did a better job than a lot of the nostalgia bait that they've been putting out there. However, it wasn't pulling the same heartstrings that a lot of Disney films have. I want to love Disney, but it's hard to when they keep putting out subpar content and expecting me to pay top dollar to see it. And I think that that's the most difficult thing because I don't want to let go of my love for Disney, but if they keep letting me down, I'm going to have to. And 
that's that's really hard for me to say because they've been such a big part of my life and childhood. But it's just the truth of it. I'm going to stop being interested if they keep putting out stuff that just doesn't hit right. <laughs> well, I, it's funny you brought that up because it's like I, I hear a lot of people talk about like oh my childhood's ruined. I'm like, but I want to I, I want to like make clear clear for that. It's like. For me, Star Wars was a big part of my childhood, and they like mm-hmm. made those three. They made those three terrible. Like, uh, I mean, not terrible for anybody. I didn't really dig them, but like, I'm I'm kind of still the mindset of like, eh, I, it didn't ruin Star Wars for me. I like what I experienced with Star Wars, or even like past Spider-Man films aren't ruined just because they made a bad one. So I still have that. And I can go back to that whenever I want and enjoy that. No, but I do feel abused. Like, (laughs) you know, like, I, I feel like I loved it so much. I'm like, oh my gosh, I love Star Wars. I'm so excited to go see it. And then they said, yeah, you are for sure. You are giving your money. I promise it's going to be amazing. And then I I gave them my money and it was garbage. Like I'm tell you right now, they don't care. I know they don't, like, and that's what hurts. The, like well, I never, want them to care, and they don't. I, <laughs> it's like yeah, they're like, yeah, we're gonna do it again. You keep paying for it, we'll do it again. Yeah. <laughs> Without- yeah, it's like we think that the franchises are the cash cows that they're milking, but it really is us. Like no. we want to go see these things, and that's why we pay for it. And then we get let down, but we still keep going. <laughs> no, that's a, that's the thing. It's like um, like I I kind of went to see Spider Man on a whim. I didn't even I I didn't even wasn't even gonna plan on seeing it because. I I was trying to uh, I was at like Manassas I, I was at um, the college campus trying to figure stuff out and it um, I couldn't get an appointment so I was uh, um, with a with an advisor so I was like eh, I might as well go see Spider Man while I'm out I haven't seen it yet and then I was kind of and then I went to see it and I was like it was meh the only way you can like really get to get like Hollywood to like listen to your opinions is to just like you know not go see their movies and as mm-hmm. long i mean as long as people go see their movies and generally like their movies they're gonna keep making movies like that i mean i'm definitely like i said i'm done with marvel movies i'm not probably not gonna see any anymore and i know i'm just one person out of like a sea of like millions and millions of people but it's just like you know it's like me i'm like I'm done with Marvel films. I'm not going to see them anymore. I don't really like them anymore. I'm tired. I'm sick and tired of them. So, like, for me, I'm out. And yeah. There are a couple characters that I'm attached anything. to, but other than that, I agree. Yeah, same here. Same here. I think I'm just going to watch, like, in terms of the Marvel movies, I think I'm just going to watch, like, the continuations of movies specifically focusing on characters that I genuinely care about. Doctor Strange. Yeah, like Doctor Strange 2. Honestly, this is going to sound really weird, but the only reason why I'm actually genuinely excited for Doctor Strange 2 is because of Wanda. WandaVision 
was great actually because it was yeah well for the most part different and it was i will say this disney's been doing garbage with their films their shorter series have actually been great overall they took star wars something that was garbage and i haven't seen the book of boba fett yet but mandalorian i've been amazed with it so far great stuff i love it the same with wandavision the same with loki like i actually think they've been great captain and falcon and winter soldier so you had a flock but like i was just kind of much better what? Well, well, Hawkeye was just kind of meh. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, oh, we haven't seen that one yet either. And without spoiling anything, the ending is also kind of meh. <laughs> but uh, without, and also without spoiling Book of Boba Fett, let me just say that Book of Boba Fett is also very heavy on the Star Wars nostalgia. Mm. See, the thing is, the, I feel very conflicted on Book of Boba Fett because they bring back Star Wars stuff that I love. But the problem is, is that you advertise the show as a Boba Fett show. And yet now we're focusing uh, on this other character? Why? why? That's why people were very half and half, I heard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, like, I feel conflicted. I, I remember walking I remember walking in on my parents watching it, and I thought they were watching a new season of The Mandalorian, but it was Book of Boba Fett. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I get where people are coming from with that with that mindset but from what i've seen from the book of boba fett it's generally good these here here's the thing i think about like and this is why i say like fan service can be good because i thought it was done good in rogue one and in most of like the star wars um short for the most part in the star wars shorts like series I think has been done well. Like I generally enjoyed like a lot of the nostalgia stuff that I got out of um, Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. It's uh, nice when I, I tell a new story within a rich world. Yeah. Like yeah. leave, leave the established canon alone, move away, tell a new story in a fun world. That's, and there wasn't that's what that I thought much that... nostalgia in Mandalorian. Yeah. That, and that and that's what important. I thought. And that's what I thought that they were going to do with Eternals, but then they didn't do it well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like um, I don't know with the nostalgia with sort of like the nostalgia baiting in, in like Spider Man No Way Home. It was a little bit too on the nose for me. It's yeah. a little bit too. It, it's a little bit too on the nose in some aspects of the Star Wars of like the Star Wars um, shows, but. A little less so, in my opinion. It's more. It's a little more subtle. Like there were a couple act- moments where I agree with you, um, but because there wasn't that much of it, it felt acceptable. You know, yeah. like in the last few of episodes it, yeah. of the most recent season of Mandalorian, I was like, "Oh, I can accept this nostalgia bait," because you have been telling an original story for so long. It doesn't feel mm-hmm. like. You're just using this to draw me in. I agree with that. But when they do it, it feels like, oh, what a happy little treat, you know, because yeah. I'm excited to see these things, but I don't want to be that the whole reason I'm going to see the thing, you know? Like, yeah, it's like when in one of my best hooks uh, for me watching The Mandalorian was the fact that they acknowledged the holiday special 
with the life day stuff and i'm like all right mm. i'm in it now <laughs> <laughs> oh the holiday special did you did yeah, you also I mean, know I, that they're uh for disney plus they're making a guardians of the galaxy holiday special and i'm just like oh, no. why <laughs> why why <laughs> what are you guys doing you guys rehired james gunn to make a freaking holiday special why <laughs> All right. I like acknowledging mistakes. I don't like making more. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Why? Like, gosh. But uh, what's it called? Yeah. So, yeah, I'm just, I'm not, like, I don't think that, like, I don't, I agree with you, Tabitha, that, that cinema as an art form is slowly dying out. I'm, I'm praying that it doesn't happen within my lifetime. Because yeah. movies... Without movies, I'm nothing, basically. Like, that's a big chunk oh. of my whole personality, is my love <laughs> and appreciation of film. Here's the thing. I, I, I think mood, I don't, I, I'm barely optimistic about, like, movies still being around because there's still a lot of value, I, I think, in, um, in, in that art form. I will, do, I will agree, though. I, I will say, though, by the time we're all old, they're going to be radically different for sure. Yeah, like, I think that gonna, it's going to change walk, as an art form. You're going to walk into like a theater and everybody's going to be given a VR headset or something like that. <laughs> it's like, and like all movies will be shot in virtual reality or something, something crazy. <laughs> I mean, technically, The Mandalorian is shot with VR. I mean, they film it on those, like, stages with LED screens. So, technically, oh. it's already being filmed in virtual reality. Oh, no. It's happening. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, what's it called? Uh, I want to start wrapping things up now. So, uh, do you guys have any, like, final thoughts on just, like, the future of the film industry and how Spider-Man could affect it negatively or positively? I mean, yeah, for me, I, I think, I don't think we're in danger of cinema being ruined. I think that it's always, it's just going to run its course. I don't, I don't think that this whole nostalgia kick, this, this fan service, it'll run its course. It's going to do its thing and it's going to, we're going to move to a new trend soon enough. We, we might see series that we love or cinematic universes that we love ruined by these trends but i don't think we're gonna see the entirety of cinema ruined by these trends i hope you're right one last question before we wrap things up though are you guys interested in that upcoming robert pattinson batman movie not really no. i think that i was i've been done with batman like, they've redone it so many times. And I know they've done that with Spider-Man 2, but I think they've done a better job of it. There have been so many hits and misses with the Batman world. that I'm just, I'm kind of, uh, I don't really care. If I watch it, it's going to be because it's on some streaming platform that I'm already subscribed to. And I'm like, you know what I haven't seen yet? I never watched that Batman movie. I guess yeah, I'll go back yeah, and watch it. That's probably what's going to happen because for, I couldn't care less. 
for me, the DC universe, I think the only one who's been able to pull off like a good modern telling, like a good modern day telling was Christopher Nolan's Batman. Did yeah. it solid because it felt very grounded in its world. And I, I've been saying this for, I, I've been saying this for years, uh, years, hoping one day that they would like, like, like the, throwing it out there in the ether, hoping that like, the universe would hear hear my cries. <laughs> I think if you wanted to do something radically new for um, a DC in restarting the DC universe movies, bring it back to the 30s when all those like um, characters were made and make them in that era. Uh, like, you know, like in the 30s, in the 20s and the 30s and stuff like that where like, the silver, I think it was called the Silver Age of Comics was happening. That that would, I think that would be so cool. And I would definitely go check that out. Yeah, I think that just- the problem is that DC tried to mimic Marvel too much. And they did a bad job. Well, they needed, and, well, it didn't work. So they right. <laughs> didn't need to try something else. Exactly. Um, yeah. And I think I, that's like the... I, I think that would be the only like radically um, different idea that they could probably try. I think I am going to give it a shot. I, you know, of course the Christian Bale Batman's great. And then I kind of took a breather from that whole line of that, that whole character for a while. I think I would look at it again. I really liked Batman Beyond as uh, like an animated series back in the day and while this isn't that it almost feels like it kind of has i don't know he's like he's like a a more lean built kind of batman with a little bit of a darker twist i don't know i'm i'm intrigued i'm gonna use this first one to set the tone for whether or not i'm gonna stay tuned for future ones Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. Yeah, I'm going. To, I'm cautiously optimistic towards this one, and I'm hoping that Robert Pattinson will be a good Batman, and that this movie will be a, a step in the right direction in terms of franchise filmmaking. But uh, I'm going to wrap things up now, and I want to thank both of you, well, all of you guys, for uh, being on the podcast. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, thanks for having us. That's so much fun. Yeah, and uh, I want to thank all of you guys out there for listening to another episode of my podcast, Podcast Racing. Looking forward to seeing you guys hopefully next time. And I hope you guys are doing well out there with Omnicron. And uh, yeah, stay safe and uh, hope to see you guys soon. Bye. Now this is Podcast Racing.